Hey, thanks for checking out this week's message. We hope you're blessed by the Word of God. For more information on River of Life, you can check out our website, rolmt.com, or download our app. Just search R-O-L-M-T in your app store. Thanks. All right, let's be honest. How many of you sang that song at least once this week? Since you're... Jace, you sing it once every week at least, whether it's a series or not. Um, well, I'm so glad that you made it out on this Memorial Day weekend, and we do want to, uh, we do want to thank those of you who have served and, and those of you who had family members who have uh, given their life in service for our country. And uh, so um, we just, we appreciate that very much, and I don't, want to, uh, I don't want to neglect taking a moment to just say thank you for that, because it is a huge deal. Um, we've been in, we're in a new series that we started last weekend that we're calling Don't Stop Believing, and if you were with us... You know that we are just looking at Hebrews chapter 12, and I, I encouraged you last week to spend some time reading Hebrews chapter 12, so if you haven't been doing that, pick that up this week, and even if that means every day you just reread that chapter, there's something that is empowering when we spend time in God's Word, amen? Yeah. I had people message me this week and say, hey, thank you so much. I put a little reminder out at one point, and they said, thank you, I really needed that this week, and uh, it's, it's crazy because I've been reading it, trying to read it every day, even before this. And every time I read it, something new stands out to me. And, and that's the way God's word is. It's alive. Amen? Amen. So we're going to continue in that series. Uh, we uh, we uh, ended at verse 3 last week. So Hebrews chapter 12, verse 4 says this. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your, in your struggle against sin. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child... Don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord's discipline, the Lord disciplines those he loves and punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? Some of us have heard of that child. Um, <laughs> Don't look at anyone in the room. If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you're illegitimate and you are really, uh, and you are not really his children at all. Since we respect our earthly fathers who discipline us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and, that, and live forever? For our earthly fathers discipline us uh, for a few years doing the best they knew how, but God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall, but will become strong. Let's pray. God, we just thank you so much for your word, because it is alive and it is ever-changing us when we apply it to our lives. So Father, today I just pray that you will encourage us. Lord, last week we just spent time talking about not quitting. Father, today I pray that you will again reinstill in us what we need to hear. God, I know that there are people in all different places in their journey with you today. God, I know that 
even those who are watching in Star Valley, Wyoming, and those who are watching in Malawi, and those who are camping right now and they're watching, God, I just pray, Father, that wherever we are in our faith journey, that today you would speak directly to us, that you will move us forward, God, that we don't want to be stagnant in this faith, but we want to grow. So we give you all the praise in Jesus' name, amen. amen. <clears throat> so at the end of this verse, it says, Basically, it says, hey, listen, take a strong grip. Last week, we said, hey, don't stop. We read those first verses, and we realized, hey, you've got this great crowd of witnesses. These people have gone on before you who have faced really hard things. And so lean into that and understand that the same God they served is the God that you serve. And so when you realize that, then, then you should be able to not stop. You should be able to keep going forward. And as we ended this little passage that we're going to look at tonight, it said, hey, don't give up. In fact, get a new grip on this thing and start moving forward again. These last couple verses tell us not only to, to get a new grip, but, but maybe your hands are tired, maybe you feel weak, but, but it says the weak and the lame will not fall, but they'll become strong. Now that's the end game. That's what we wanna hear. As we look at this chapter that I told you last weekend is just one of the most encouraging chapters in all of scripture some of you need that right now. Some of you feel like you're at the end. You feel like you're at a breaking point. And I've had people say, even after last weekend, they said, man, I'm, I was so close to quitting. And I'm so grateful that our God loves us so much. He doesn't just say, hey, here's the rules. Do this. And if you don't, you're in trouble. He, said, he encourages us throughout scripture so that we'll keep moving forward. Have you ever felt like God is using circumstances in your life to teach you something? <laughs> I was reading this verse and I was like, man, last weekend I had told everybody, this is one of the most encouraging passages of scripture. I just said it to you again. But then you read the passage of scripture and it's like, hey, God's going to discipline you. Yay. Amen. That's so encouraging. Right? So I know, but I know if you're like me, there have been many times in my life and still, I mean, almost daily where God is, is refining me. He's changing me. He's, he's using something in my life for me to, to realize, hey, pay attention, right? Sometimes God's just trying to get your attention. Like, stop being stupid, right? Stop doing stupid. Come on. I like it. That's Jason's amen point right there. Let's do that again. Stop being stupid. There you go. Thanks, Jason. Have you ever wondered why you're in the middle of a struggle and you, and you just feel like, man, I, I, I can't get to the other side of this? Well, I'm just going to tell you right now, God always has a purpose. So the author of this book says that, that we have struggled with sin, but never to the point of losing our life. So last week we ended with Jesus and the joy that was set in front of him. And he said, I'm going to endure. I'm going to get through. I'm going to move forward. I'm not going to stop. And he, and he takes it all the way to the point of, of losing his life. And the, the author says, listen, you may be going through a struggle, but you've never been to that place before. And again, even in this verse, it's just this reminder that even though you may be at a, at a breaking point, you've never been to a place where you've lost your life due to your circumstance. I'm assuming none of you have lost your life due to your circumstance. Last weekend, the author encouraged us encouraged us to not stop short. And we ended last week's portion with that scripture again about Jesus. So as we look at this in context, we begin to see that 
that he's saying, listen, you may be struggling and maybe you're struggling with sin, but he's actually talking about a specific sin. I got to just take a moment and, and notice that we, we changed the background this week because uh, last week when, I, when we saw the video after the fact, it, you couldn't see the don't at the top. So the whole sermon said, don't, or said stop believing. So we uh, said we better fix that. I just noticed it on the TV back there. Um, sorry, squirrel. Um, so as we look at this, so we need to understand that, that we're actually talking about a specific sin that we can fall into. And the sin is this. It's the sin of actually not believing God. Now, this is tough because I've told you many times that sometimes we need to pray and we need to say, God, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. Just like that father who lost his child came and approached Jesus. I, I do believe, I believe you, I believe you are who you say that you are, but I do struggle sometimes. And so I need you to come in and help me in these areas of unbelief. So the author knows that, that in our faith journey, we will have seasons where we struggle to believe. And we can see that we can either see that as a negative or we can see it as that when we're struggling, it means we're still alive. Do you know that if you're struggling, it means you're in the game? Like you don't, you don't, get, you don't get tackled while you're sitting on the bench, right? You get tackled while you're in the game. So if you're, if you're going through a struggle right now, understand that and take it for what it is. Say, God, I'm so grateful that I get to be in the game. I, I, I feel like I'm getting, I'm hit from every side and I feel like it's, it's harder right now than it's been or whatever that is. But come to this place where you go, but God, I'm so grateful because I know that because I'm being hit so hard, it's because something is changing, something is happening. And for many of us, we maybe grew up in the church and, and we have, have come to this place where, where you come into a church and you put on your smile and you say all the right things and you act the right way and you even put your hands in the air, but inside there's something not working because you feel broken and you feel alone and you've been taught, don't ever, don't let anybody in on that. Don't, don't ever share that. You gotta, you gotta act like you, you've got it all together. And I'm telling you right now that that's not how I want this church to be. It's okay to not be okay. Did you know that? Amen. It's okay to struggle. And it's okay to admit that you're struggling. Because if you're struggling, it means probably that you're in the game. It means that you're, you're, you're maybe struggling because, because you're in the middle of the battle. You're struggling because uh, you're in the game. You don't get to... You, oh, I already said both of those things. So there you are. They're up on the screen now. Um, Last week, we talked a little bit about perspective, and I want to I talk about that again for just a moment, because we talked about your frame of reference, and the author was reminding us again last week that, that our problems, we need to put them into the right frame and understand the God that we serve. So as we talked about that last week, it was interesting because this week I had multiple things that came up where people said, you know, Jason, I, I, as I'm changing my frame of reference and I'm beginning to understand that God is for me, he's not against me that I'm not fighting these things by myself, that I'm reminded again that the God of the universe, the one who made the sun stand still for Joshua, that same God fights for me. So when, I, when I'm able to look at my problem and that is the frame that I've put around it, now all of a sudden, instead of being discouraged, I'm encouraged. Yeah, amen. And I think that's so powerful and important for us. Oftentimes we will get bent out of shape 
because little things go on in our life and we, we begin to allow that to be the thing that determines our attitude, determines the way that we're gonna live our lives. Maybe you're, you're sitting in the room and, and you like this week we're supposed to meet a friend and they bailed on you, they didn't show up or, or your wife borrowed your car and she left the tank empty or you went to a store and you know that the mask mandate's been lifted but the store still had the sign up saying you had to wear your mask and so you're just bent out of shape and it ruined your day. Some of you know, like you're getting a little like a little conviction right now because you know that happened to you and you whined about it for like a half an hour after the fact. You called all your friends. Can you believe that store? The mandate's gone, right? And we feel like, man, we really got it rough. But the reality is, frame it this way. Others have died for Christ. Christ has died for you. And so it's a small price that you live for him. So I want to talk about this verse for a minute because it's a tough verse. As we look at this particular passage of scripture, we go, oh, sweet, God's going to punish me or God's going God's to discipline me and keep me in line and God's going to you know, show up and, and be a parent to me. And that doesn't sound super fun as I've told you this is such an encouraging thing, but we need to understand God is the perfect parent. And that's key to our faith because as we see throughout scripture, he's called father. And, and as we talk about that, I want to dig into that a little bit because that's a concept that for many of you, you struggle with because your father may have been far from perfect. But what you need to understand is he is not an abusive father. And I'm sorry if you had to go through that, but that's not who he is. And I often think about all that God sees and how easy it would be for him to be vengeful or full of rage. The patience of our God is incredible. Amen. To look at this earth and to see what's going on and to, with, with, uh, and to restrain himself. I said this a few weeks ago, man, if you or I were God, this place would be in a lot of trouble, yes. right? I mean, there'd be lightning bolts going like crazy. Meteorologists would be wondering what in the world is going on. But he's not an abusive father. In fact, the, the Bible says that he's love. And some people struggle with the concept of God as father because their dad was either abusive or maybe your dad was not around. And so many men today in our society are male enough to have a baby but not man enough to stick around. But that's not our God. Because our God, he is not absent, he is active. Not only is he not absent, he's active. He is involved. He wants to be more involved. No matter how involved he is in your life right now, do you know he wants to be more involved? He wants to be involved in your life. He wants you to be actively talking to him about the decisions that you're making and the way that your day is going. He wants you to be praising him. He wants you to be crying to him. He wants you to be, be complaining to him. Complaining to him about the masks if you need to. He'll handle it. That'd be a funny prayer, actually. That'd be interesting. I'd like to hear that one. Um, but he's big. At, he's also, though, he's not a helicopter parent. He's not overprotective. It's funny to watch some parents 
that are like the helicopter parents. You know what I'm talking about, the ones that are just hovering over their kids all the time. They got, before the, before the, uh, the um, what's the germ stuff that, that we, the sanitizer, hand sanitizer, sorry. Before the hand sanitizer thing was a thing that everybody carried, you have these parents and they're like bathing their kids in hand sanitizer everywhere they go. And then you got, you got parents who have like more than one kid and they're just picking stuff off the ground and putting it back in the kid's mouth and they're like, they're resilient. They'll be fine. Right? It's funny though, because we're, we're now in a society in a time where it is like everything is, you know, not only helmets, but like seven point harnesses in the back of the car. Can I just tell you when I was growing up, first of all, we didn't have hand sanitizer. So if I got something on me, it was mom's spit that, you know, that took care of it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That's, yeah, look at that my people. Uh, <clears throat> but when I was growing up, my sister and I and my parents, one of the cars that we drove, well, that my dad drove, he wanted to drive a sports car. So we had a Datsun uh, 280Z. Okay. So now those of you, like some of you are like, what does that even mean? But I'm going to just tell you something about the 280Z. It was a two-seater hatchback. There's four of us. There was no seven-point harness for me. There was called the hatchback. And that's how we drove. We literally, like, got, you, you hopped in the back. And if you laid the back way, then you look, look, got to look out the hatchback and see the stars. It was beautiful. And then my mom has this thing where if my dad is, like, not paying attention to the road or something comes out, she says this, and, and she's going to kill me that I say this, but she still to this day says it. She'll go, crunchels, David, crunchels. I don't know where that came from. I don't really know what it means. But what it means to my dad is look at the road and probably hit the brakes. And so as kids, as we're in the back, we're in the hatchback again. No harness. No, they don't even give you a rope. Like there's nothing. You're just back there. So crunchels, David, crunchels means fetal position, kids, because we're going to be hitting the brakes. If it's bad enough, maybe protect your head. I don't know. But we survived. And I don't think it had any real effect on us at all. My mom had this thing where she'd go, crunchels, David, crunchels. No, I'm just kidding. Like I have a brain injury. Just teasing. That, didn't, that one didn't land. Got it? Scratch that for the morning. Got it? But God is a protective father. He's not an overprotective father. What does that mean for us? It means that he sets up parameters in our lives so that though we will experience hurt and pain, we will not be overcome by hurt and pain. Amen. So what does that mean for us? It means that even in the fire, he'll be there. Like it doesn't mean that fire won't come. It just means that when fire does come, he'll be with you. Doesn't mean that hurt and pain won't come. It just means that you have somebody to rely on when it is there. See, as an overprotective parent, I, I don't know because I've seen, I've seen where parents are like, man, I'm going to bubble wrap my kid and, and I don't want them to ever be hurt and I got to make sure that nothing, they don't eat anything that, that is bad for them and, and all of these things and we, we can get to this place where they don't actually even live. 
And God lets us live and God lets us experience things because sometimes it's in the hurt. Sometimes it's in the pain. It's sometimes walking through a hard season that we grow and that we become stronger because he's preparing us for the next thing. And I look back on my own life and some of the hardest seasons of my life, whether it was when our, when our uh, youngest son, who was up here just a little while ago threatening me with the story, or whether it was uh, other seasons in our life. My youngest son was in the hospital. We had all kinds of problems. We thought we were going to lose him. Hard season. Had a, had a business. Thought I, was gonna, I thought I was going to go bankrupt because of, of someone else's actions. Hard season. But I can look back at, at many of those things in my life and I can realize that through that, God was refining me, that he was doing something in me, that he was teaching me, A, to lean on him, but B, to, he was teaching me something that I was gonna need further down the road. There are some of the things that I learned during those seasons that, that made me better for River of Life today. They, made, they, they prepared me for things that I was gonna step into that I had no idea were coming down the road. And that's the way God works is he doesn't, he's not overprotective where he goes, I don't want you to ever feel hurt. I don't want you to ever feel pain. And so I'm going to just protect you because in that protection, what you do is you don't allow that child to grow. And God loves us enough that he wants us to grow. So as we look at this scripture, what we need to realize is, is the author is saying, listen, there's a discipline that's going to come. There's some stuff that's going to be hard for you. There's going to be things that God's going to allow into your life. And you can either get mad, you can shake your fist at the heavens, or you can say, God, I trust you. And so in the middle of this, I'm believing that you're doing something in me, that you're going to do something through me because of it. That's easy for me to say right now because I'm not in the middle of something. It's a whole nother thing when you are in the middle of it. But my hope is and my prayer that as we, as we hear this, that we'll remember that when those hard times come, when the fire comes, we'll realize again, changing our frame of reference to understand how good this God is that we serve and how much he loves you. And, and I love the way the author phrases this because it's so important for us to realize that if you're a child of God, then that means there's discipline inside of that. If you're not feeling any discipline, maybe it's because you're not a child of God. If you're not experiencing those things, then, then that's a disinterest. That means God's d disinterested in you. Proverbs tells us to train up your child in the way that they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. It's a parenting verse, I get it, and that's not exactly what we're talking about today. But in that verse, it's giving us as parents an assignment. So what does that mean? How do we train up our child? When they step out of line, we correct them, right? And as good parents, we do it in a way that's appropriate to what they're doing, right? Like, like if they're doing something really bad, then the penalty is a little harsher. If they're doing something little and, 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 and it's not that big of a deal, but it's still something they need to learn, then it may just even be with our words that we stop them. Now, biblical instruction is that you are to correct them and to train them up so that when they're older, they'll, they'll find the right path. So correction is love. When you don't correct our kids, it's often, it's, actu it's actually an act of selfishness on our part. If we're not correcting our children, and, and I've, I've been around parents that they'll just let their kids do whatever they want, and they'll go, oh, well, I just, you know... I just, I, I want them to be free, free spirits and free thinkers and, and whatever. And I'm going, no, you're just actually kind of being selfish right now because, 
because that's easier for you. But hard is actually stepping in and doing what needs to be done. Now, when, when we raised our children, we believed in spanking. You can say about that whatever you want, and you can do that or not do that. That's up to you. But we spanked our children when it was necessary. I grew up being spanked, and, uh, and I think I'm okay. I think I turned out all right. Man, I better not say that. Um, <laughs> Do you ever wish you just had like a videotape of parts of your childhood? Because I'd, I'd love to show you Bev Ton when I was in trouble. But I don't, so you don't have to worry about it, Mom. It's good. Yeah, you're like, no way. Yeah. So as we look at this, using logic, the writer of Hebrews tells us that God also disciplines us. Why? To keep us on track, because he loves us. Would it probably be easier for, us, for him to just let us do whatever we want and, and, and let that take us where it would take us? Sure, that would be easier for him. But he loves you so much that he brings correction into your life. So how are you when God counts to three in your life? How many of your parents counted to three when you were, what, really? How many, no, like we're gonna take a second because I really wanna know. Okay, that, that's right. And, and when they did count to three, like my, my parents, when they would count to three, and especially my mom, she would do this thing. She's like, you better, like, you better get over here right now. It, I'm gonna count to three. So you got the warning that the three was coming. And then it would go one, I'm being serious right now. I'm telling you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep counting if you don't come over here, two, right? Like lots of warnings. She's given me lots. And sometimes I was smart enough to figure it out. And lots of times I was not smart enough to figure it out. And, and right to three. So what do you, when God's counting to three in your life, or, or how many of you had the, your parents would say, if I have to stop this car one more time. My parents would say that even though they hadn't stopped the car yet. If I have to stop this car one more, just once, dad, that's all you're doing then. You, you didn't already do it once. Like this is, I have to stop this car one more time. I never had that happen. I don't know what that would have looked like. I'm sure it wouldn't have been good, but that was a threat, right? That's this like one, two, what, what do you do when God counts to three in your life? Are you ready to understand and to listen and to pay attention? Or does he have to keep counting to three and keep disciplining you for the same thing over and over and over again. See, he loves you so much, that's why it comes. Just like a parent loves their child so much. Because we could, as parents, just go, you know what, I, I just want them to be a free spirit. I want them to, you know, oh, well, they're kind of getting close to the stove and that thing's on over there. And they're a toddler and they don't know any better. Oh, I just want them to be a free spirit. And, uh, and then next thing you're at the ER, right? Because they grabbed the thing off the stove. Instead, as good parents, we stop them. We speak into it. We say something. We do something if we need to. If it means getting up to go over and grab them and slap their hand or say no loud enough so that they understand, that's dangerous. That's going to hurt you. 
God loves you so much and he sees things in your life. And for some of you, it's a small sin. It's something that's little and, and it's not that big of a deal. And, and I got all this other stuff that since I've accepted Christ, that I've let everything else go. But this one little thing, I don't think it's that big of a deal. So I'm going to hold on to it. And you may see that God will come in and he'll start to count to three on that thing. How does he do that? Sometimes it's just a, st- a, a still small voice. That when you're doing it, you know, ah, the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you. Ah, something doesn't feel right. But for many of us, we're thick-headed just as I was when I was a kid and my mom would start to count to three and I would think that somehow I was gonna win that and that never happened, ever. So sometimes we, 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 we ignore and then we, that thing gets a little bit bigger in our lives. It becomes a little bit more overwhelming and then God says, two, Right? And the day will come where maybe the thing that needs, that needs to happen is it's got to be exposed so everybody can see it so that you, you realize this is not a good thing for me. Or maybe it's, it's you've got, you start with, with drinking a little bit on the side and, and it's not that big of a deal and, and then it gets bigger and bigger and, and all of a sudden you begin to feel like, ah, something not good about this. But you keep doing it because you feel like, well, compared to what everybody else is doing, it's not that big of a deal. And so, and then all of a sudden, there's, there's a car accident or something else. And there's these big areas where all of a sudden you got, God's got to come in and he's got to go, no, enough's enough. Why? Because at the end of the day, he cares about you and he wants you with him. So if he wants you with him, then, then, then he's going to discipline you in ways to make you the best that you can be. See, when I would discipline my children, it wasn't because I enjoyed it because I didn't. When, I would, when I'd have to sit them down and lecture them or if I did have to spank them when they were younger or whatever, that was never enjoyable to me. I didn't ever go, yay, this is gonna be awesome. I can't wait. My wife called and said, man, you know, Logan's really acting up or whatever and I need you to come home and help me with this. I wasn't like rejoicing on the way home. Boy, I hope I get to spank him. It's gonna be great. Never, not once. It was always like, ah, it hurts. Now, I don't know. I know that some parents will say, this is going to hurt me more than it does you. I never told my kids that because that is not true. (laughs) I didn't enjoy it, but I'm just telling you, it better hurt them more than it hurt me. Uh, I'm going to get in trouble. I better stop talking about spanking now. (laughs) It's not because he is abusive, but because he is loving Hebrews chapter 12, verse six says this, for the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. So as you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who's never disciplined by his father. This is so important because for many of us, we feel like when, when things aren't going the way that we think they should, or if we feel like there's some kind of a disconnect with God or whatever, we feel like he's pulling away, but the reality is most of the time he's pushing in because he does love you so much and because he wants you to understand that you are that important to him that he's paying attention to you. Have you ever been in a situation where you felt like a tug at your heart, maybe to turn off something that that was not appropriate for you to be watching or or you feel a conviction when you start to talk about somebody else, that's God gently correcting us. And if we ignore those gentle corrections, he, may, uh, he will allow them to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Why? Because he's a good dad. 
And he's not going to just go, oh, I tried, but he didn't listen, so okay. No, he's going to continue to reach into your life and to reach into your life and to reach into your life because he loves you that much. Sometimes we wish that God would just give us the desires of our heart and let us be. Sometimes we wish that we could just live however we wanted, and that's, that's kind of actually what's scary today is that is being taught, it's being preached. It's, it's everywhere, this idea that you should just be able to do whatever you want, live however you want, and everybody else should just leave you alone and be fine with whatever your decisions are. But if you've ever seen a child whose parents let them do whatever they want, whenever they want, for however long they want, I mean, you know, those are not kids you want to be around for very long. They end up doing bad things. They end up destroying things. They end up hurting other kids. They end up hurting themselves. They end up making a mess. They end up doing bad things. So when we say, oh God, why don't you just, I'm gonna pray for things I want, you give me what I want, and then you just leave me alone. God will not spoil his children because he's a good dad. Do we respect a dad that corrects his child? Absolutely. What about a dad who doesn't correct his child? There's not a lot of respect there. You ever, you ever somewhere where you'd like to correct other people's children? Don't do it. You probably shouldn't. But you ever been like sitting in a restaurant and that, this was like, I don't know how, it was quite a while ago. We, I was sitting at a restaurant and there was a, a couple and they had a toddler in a, in a high chair and both of them are looking at their phones. They're not paying attention to anything. And this kid is grabbing stuff off the table and just chucking it on the floor, screaming at the top of their lungs. Mom and dad are completely not paying attention to any of it. And I'm having a really hard time not stepping in to help a little bit. I don't think they wanted my help, but I really wanted to help, right? Because you see, you're not helping that child and you're disrupting the whole place with not paying attention. Well, for many of us, what we need to understand is God is interested in you and that's why he steps in with correction. So we need to not misunderstand this passage. It's not a passage about believers paying the penalty for their sin because Jesus already paid the price for your sin. This passage reminds us that we are not all children of God. We are all his creation, however, In order to be adopted, we must put our faith in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Sometimes I'll hear people say, oh, well, we're all children of God. No, those of us who put our faith in the finished work of Jesus on the cross, we are his children. The Bible says that he adopts us then as sons and daughters, right? We're all created by him. And does he love everyone? Absolutely, he loves everyone. But for us to be adopted, it's a choice we've got to make. He loves you too much to leave you the way that he found you. He's correcting out of love, not anger. Can I just say, even as a parent, like one of the things, and I I told you that we did spank our kids and stuff, but we would never do that in the heat of anything. We would always step away. We would always let the kids sit in their room for a while, which actually is super torturous to that child. (laughs) Having had that happen to me, I understand 
that that can actually be worse than getting spanked is the sitting in the room waiting to get spanked is hard. But you never do it out of that anger. Like you don't, you don't do that. And God never does things out of anger with you. He's not up there just like, oh man, she did it again. I'll show her. No, it's always corrective love. It's always, I love you and, and I want, man, I see the good in you. I see who I created you to be. I see the giftings that I've given you. I see the things that, that I want to see come out of you. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a little correction here and a little correction there because I, I, I believe in you. Man, he loves you. And he loves you too much to leave you where he found you, so he's always doing what he can to push you to the new place. When he demands more from you, it's because he sees more in you. Land there for a second with me and hear what I'm saying. Sometimes we feel like, man, I feel like no matter what I do, I feel like God's always wanting, me, wanting more from me. Even as Logan was talking about the tithe tonight, that, that space of going, well, he doesn't really need it, but the understanding that God's asking something of you because he sees something in you. And so for many of us, we gotta go, man, if, if God's really being demanding to me right now, it's because he sees something great in me. And that all of a sudden, now it changes our perspective. Again, it changes our frame of reference. If all of a sudden I, I realize, man, God loves me and he sees greatness in me. He sees more in me than I see in me. So I'm going to take the discipline. I'm going to take the correction. I'm going I'm to believe that, that when I feel those little things, those tugs in my heart, I'm going to start listening to what he's saying because I want to get to where he needs me to be so I can be what he's calling me to be. His discipline is not a sign of rejection. It is a sign of acceptance. He's refining so you can become the masterpiece he needs you to be. Ephesians 2.10 says we are God's masterpiece. I don't know about you, but when I look in the mirror, I don't see a masterpiece, but I want to. So I go to God and I pray. Dear Heavenly Father, would you do whatever it takes to mold me into the image of your son? Make me your masterpiece. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hi. Oh, who are you? I'm God. You said the prayer, so here I am. That's how it works. <laughs> you're not God. No, I am. Okay, uh, if you're God, what does Lamentations 15.9 say? Lamentations is a very short book. It only has five chapters. Why is it so short? I was tired of lamenting. You are God. What's that about? These are the tools I'm going to use to make you into my original masterpiece. This is the process. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Let's get busy. Okay. I'm going to bring up things in your life that don't belong in your life. And uh, start right here. Your anger. Ow! I created the emotion, but you use it in the wrongest of ways. You compare yourself to others instead of me. And you lie. You tell little white lies. You're so afraid of confrontation. You're becoming a people pleaser. Okay, time out. Um, I think you've done some really good work, and I'm looking pretty good right now. When you look in the mirror, who do you see? I see me. Okay, then I need to keep chiseling away because ultimately, you and other people need to see my son. Okay, but when I look like Jesus, people get uncomfortable, and I don't think I'm supposed to do that. So what you're saying is you'd rather play God in certain areas of your life than for me to be God over your whole life. No, what I'm saying is you've grown me to here. Maybe we take a break from each other for a while, all right? And then I'll stay here, and then you come back, and we can grow some more. You never just take a break from me. You're either moving toward me or away from me, but you never just plateau. What you're doing is called control. Do you want to control things in your life or can I chisel? Control, chisel, control, chisel. No, 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 chisel. All right, 
Here we go. Can we chisel where I want? That's called control. Okay, sorry. <clears throat> this right here, that secret sin, that thing that you run to whenever you're hurting, you're angry, you're lonely, you're tired. Do you want to keep rearranging this in your life or do you want me to chisel it out? Chisel it. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. It's your whole life. <laughs> this, this hurts, okay? I don't think you understand this pain. Don't talk to me about pain, I know all about pain. I sent my son to die on the cross for pain, for sin, but I also did it for another reason, to give you freedom. Do you know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results, and there are things that you are doing in your life that are insane. Allow me to chisel them out of your life. I know, but I've let you down so many times, God. No, you were never holding me up. Okay and chisel away. But just be prepared for what you're gonna find in there. Cause I know who's inside there. God, I get up every morning and I hate what I see in the mirror cause inside is a scared, stupid kid. And I try, I try, but I can't. I can't be who everybody else expects me to be. God, I can't even be who I wanna be, much less who you created me to be. So chisel away and just know what you're gonna find in there. You have listened to so many voices, so many critics for far too long that are not for me. And you've bought into the lie. You think you're junk, don't you? When you lay your head down at night, at the end of the day, you think you're junk. I don't take time to make junk. I want to show you something about my love. Reach in your back pocket. This is a... It's a page from a notebook when I was in college. How'd you get this? Hello? Oh, yeah. Go ahead and read it. Dear God, did I hear you right? You said you want to use me. But I feel really useless. But if you can take this life, this mess of a life I have, and do with it what you want, I love you, God. I love you too. And I love you too much just to leave you where you're at. It's gonna be tough. Yes. But you bought into the lie thinking everything was gonna be easy when you said yes to me. There will be trouble in this world, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I want you to do something. I want you to look out there and I want you to say, Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Tommy is God's? No, not the way you see yourself or you try so desperately for others to see you. But maybe for the first time in your life, the way I made you, the way I created you. Tommy? is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are. And so are you. You are an original masterpiece. Right as we close this, and I want us to look at this because there's two responses that we can have to God's discipline. Verse five says, and have you forgotten the encouraging words that God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes the one he accepts as his child. So two things that you can do according to this verse is you can make light of it and other people will give up. You blow it off, you say, ah, it's not that big of a deal. You learn to tune out his voice 
Or maybe you just get discouraged and you start to feel like you'll never be enough. I love that line in that little skit. They said, I've let you down so many times and God said, you are never holding me up. For many of us, we stop short because we feel like, man, I just keep letting God down. He keeps bringing things to your heart and to your mind, whether it's through a service, through a worship song, through a conversation, through your devotionals, whatever it is, he's shining lights on things that you need to work on in your life, not because he's disappointed in you, but because he loves you and because he sees the real you. Even as they're doing that, it's that amazing thing of, I want to get you to the thing that I created you to be. For many of you, you need that today. You need to understand. Don't worry when you're feeling corrected, but lean into that and say, God, I'm listening. I wanted to end with that little skip because I really believe that for many of you, you've got to put yourself back into his hands. You've got to quit trying to make it happen on your own and you've got to say, God, show me the things that I need to let go of. Show me the areas of my life where I need, I need to press into you more. And I know it's Memorial Day weekend and, and you came out on a Saturday night, which is more than a lot of people did because they went and did other stuff, but you're here. And I believe you're here on purpose. I believe that God wants to do something in you today. So in just a moment, the worship team is going to come up and they're going to lead us in some more worship and I'm going to ask for our prayer teams to come forward and be willing to pray with people. But I also, man, I just really want to open up the altars. Because some of you, like you're, you're, you're killing it and you're doing really good. But if you're honest, because we all have things that God needs to work on in us. Nobody in the room's arrived. So maybe in these last few moments, we can all just be real and go, you know what? I'm not okay. I'm struggling. I got some stuff in me that I got to let go of. I've got some things in me that I really need God to show me how to move forward. And not worry about what anybody else thinks. Because here's the deal. If, if you were to come to an altar and say, God, I'm laying some stuff down. And if there's anybody in this room that would critique you on that, make fun of you, think bad of you, then they miss their opportunity because they needed to be here too. So let's not worry about what anybody thinks. Let's just spend a few moments. And I'm gonna pray over you. The worship team is gonna come and we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna just spend some time saying, God, show me, make me, mold me into who you need me to be. For some of you, that your story is paused because he's waiting for this moment. You got things in your life that you're like, man, I've been praying for a decade for this thing to happen. And God's saying, I'm waiting for all of you. And then I'm gonna meet you right where you are and I'm gonna answer that prayer for you. But he so desperately wants your heart. So I'm gonna pray over you right now. God, I just thank you so much because you love us enough to not leave us. That God, you see in us who you made us to be. So Father, I pray tonight that those who are in the room and those who are within the sound of my voice right now, that, that God, we would come to a place of, of just surrender. That we would say, God, I want you to make me who you need me to be. I want you to prepare me for the next season, the next calling, the next thing you have for me. 
God, I pray for boldness in this room tonight as we, as we go in a time of worship that, Lord, we would be willing to just come and lay it all down and take you at your word and trust you. God, we are so grateful. And we just pray, Father, I pray for everyone that, Lord, we would just not be satisfied with where we are, but we would lean in and want more. We give you all the praise tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand as we sing? Hey, thanks for listening. River of Life is a ministry in East Missoula, Montana. We exist for one purpose, to make Jesus famous by showing his love to the lost, broken, and hurting. For more information, you can check us out online at rolmt.com. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, we'd love to talk to you about what comes next. Shoot us an email at nextstep at rolmt.com. Thanks.